morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored, dedicated Lilui uh, Nishmat, and in loving memory of Tammy's father, Ronan Levi, Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat, Ronan Ben Margalit, sponsored by Tammy and Michael Abdan. And as well, Lilui Nishmat, Yosef Moshe Ben Rabbi Meir. The week of Cold Brew is sponsored by Emmanuel Zar in honor of David E. Ash for sponsoring Cold Brew regularly and for all the hesed he does in his substantial capacity to do good. My friends, we find a beautiful concept in the Pasuk which teaches us a very deep lesson. The Pasuk says, Vayishak Yaakov Rachel, Vayisa et kolo vayevk. Yaakov meets Rachel at the well. That was apparently the big uh, meeting spot, the hookup spot back then, where so you found the Shiduch. You know, you didn't know what to do, so you just went down to the well, right? Uh, Rivka was met at the well, uh, Rachel was met at the, at the well. The well's a nice, it's a nice sort of place. I think it's a fantastic idea that there's even an organization in Brooklyn called The Well. A lot of girls go there, maybe they think that that's uh, what's going to happen. They're going to go down to the well, they're going to meet the Yaakov Avinu, Bezat Hashem, they should all be zocheh to find amazing Shiduchim uh, Bekarov. Now, the Pasuk says that Yaakov, upon seeing Le- uh, Rachel, he starts to cry. He starts to weep. Now, there's many different interpretations why Yaakov was crying when he saw Rachel. But I'm going to read you one of them. Rashi says, Davar Acher, another interpretation. Because Yaakov had come to the well. He was now here in this, uh, in this town trying to find his bride. And he came, he'd come empty-handed. Amar Eliezer Eliezer said, he said, Eliezer, my Evid Avi Abba, the servant of my father, uh, of my grandfather, Hayubi Adav Nizamim, Utsmidim, Magdanot. He had delicacies, he had gold, he had jewelry, he had diamonds. When he came to bring Rivka back home, uh, he was able to give her, he was able to show her all the beauty, all the riches of his, of his family home. Ve'ani, but here I am, Envi Adi Klum, I have nothing. Yaakov Yaakov came empty-handed. He started crying. He said, "My father's, my grandfather's servant came with such riches, and here I am, and I have nothing. What can I bring? What can I show? What can I offer uh, uh, the love of my life to come back with me to show her uh, that I love her, that I respect her, and then I'm going to treasure her forever?" Yaakov begins to cry because he has nothing. Now, the interesting thing is, why does Yaakov have nothing? So our rabbi has explained to us that he had just had a very interesting ordeal, perhaps even harrowing uh, ordeal. As Yaakov is traveling, uh, a fellow called Eliphaz. Who's Eliphaz? Eliphaz is Yaakov's first cousin. He's the son of Esav. He approaches him from uh, his nephew, excuse me. He approaches him from uh, behind. He's running on his horse. He catches up with Yaakov. Uh, Yaakov says, hey, what's up, Eliphaz? How you doing? Right? He says, uh, I'm really sorry about this. It's very uncomfortable. But my father has commanded me to chase after you and kill you. After everything that went down with the Berachot, my father's not a big fan. He told me I have to kill you. Now, I don't really, he says, I don't know what to do. I'm conflicted. Because although I'm commanded by my father to kill you, and what did Eliphaz learn at home? What's the big mitzvah of Esav? Honoring your father. So he taught his son well. The kid has to honor his father. He says, you know, I got to do what I got to do. What do you want from me? Right? Uh, Yaakov says, listen, 
I understand that you don't want to kill me, but you feel like you have to. Why did Eliphaz not want to kill him if he's a son of Esav? And his father commanded him to kill him. Interestingly enough, I want to read this to you. Chazal tell us, since, why? <clears throat> since Eliphaz had grown up studying Torah with his grandfather, with Yitzchak, he didn't want to kill him. He says, I'm, I'm conflicted, what should I do? Yaakov says, listen, take all my money. Chazal, our rabbis teach us, Ani hashub kemet, a person who has no money, has no potential, he has no opportunities, it's, uh, it's as bitter as death. You go back to your father, you'll tell him, look, I did it, I, I killed him. And you'll fulfill your father's dictum, but at the same time, you'll let Alba still be alive. Eliphaz says, that's a good plan. He takes all of Yaakov's money, he goes back to his father. So Yaakov, why does he have no money to give? Because he was just robbed. Correct? Our Chachamim asks such a beautiful question. Why is Yaakov sitting here crying about the fact that he has nothing to give Rachel? It's not his fault. Explain to Rachel, tell her, look, I brought diamonds, I brought jewelry, I brought all the best things, but unfortunately on the way, this guy Eliphaz came to me, tell her what happened, it's not your fault. Why is Yaakov crying? And the answer, my friends, uh, is something very special. The answer is because Yaakov understood that he could have all the excuses in the world. He could have all the justifications in the world. It's not his fault and it's not his problem and it doesn't reflect on his character. But end of the day, here he was trying to propose to his wife and he couldn't afford a ring. He didn't have a dime to his name. It didn't matter if it was his fault or not his fault. End of the day, he was coming empty-handed. Rabbi Galinsky says something unbelievable. He says, you know, in life, many times that's the way it is. A person would like to study Torah. They'd like to stay for the class. They say, Rabbi, I'd love to stay for the class, but I've got to run to work. I've got to make a living. It's true, isn't it? Rabbi, I'd love to come to Tefillah in the morning, but you know what? If I come to the 7.30 minyan, by the time I get to the office, it's a little late. I can't come to the Sabbath. You know what, Rabbi, I'm going to put Tefillin in the office. And you know what, Azakul Baruch, if you're putting Tefillin in the office too. But the, the answer is, I can't, because I have to work. And then they'll quote, and many people are capable, they'll quote many different lines from the Torah. Rabbi, in Kemah, if there's no uh, flour, and there's no bread, there's no Torah. Rabbi, Derech Eretz, Kadmala Torah, the way of the world comes before Torah. Many different pesukim that the person will quote ideas, concepts. What do you want? There's nothing I can do. It's not my fault. End of the day, Rabotai, if a person, there's something that he can't do, or there's something that he can't be, and it's not his fault, fine. No one's having any complaints. Eliphaz stole your money. Eliphaz stole your money. But you know what? Can we see on your face how you feel about the fact that you can't. Sometimes I meet people, Rabotai, they're in, the bed, they're in the hospital during corona. And the guy calls me up, he says, Rabbi, I don't know what to do. Uh, I want to come to the minyan tomorrow. Is there any way, but my, I'm exposed. I have to bring my father to the hospital. I've been exposed to corona. Is there a place where I could come pray on the, on the, on the porch of the Beit Knesset? In the end, we told him, no, you're exposed to corona, the height of the pandemic, you can't come, you can't get somebody sick. 
But you see, this guy, he's calling me. He's trying. He's upset. Is there not a possibility? How about if I pray outside? This guy, you know, if I would have told him he could, he would have hired one of those things, you know, the, the guy with the clean the window. One of those things. He would have like been on a scaffolding, hanging outside the window of the knees, you know, answering amen. There's a way a person fulfills a mitzvah. But you know what some people are not aware of? There's also a way to not fulfill a mitzvah. There's a way to, do, to, to not do an avon. But there's also a way that a person can be even when they're doing an avon. Yaakov's bichiyah, his crying over something that's not his fault, teaches us how a person should be when he doesn't have the opportunity to do the mitzvah. He feels upset about it. He feels heartbroken. Oh, I wanted to give the guy money. I don't have my money. I left my wallet at home. That's the bichiyah of Yaakov Avinu. He teaches us this beautiful idea. And you know what? When a person has that kind of a will, then ultimately that translates. You know, Rabbi Galinsky, one time he mentions in his, uh, in his writings that he went to visit the father of, of Rav Chaim Kanievsky. His name was Rav Yisrael Yaakov Kanievsky. He was known as the stipler. Not to be confused with a stapler, that's something else. Okay? Stipler was his name. Tremendous tzaddik. Tremendous gaon. I remember studying his books in the yeshiva, Kilat uh, Yaakov, very deep writings, very uh, beautiful logic, very, very special Tamil Chacham. Just I want you to know as well, he, also used to, he always used to talk about the power of tefillah. You know, the guy came to him, the rabbi, and he says, Rabbi, until uh, what age do you pray for your children that they should come out good? When, do you, when can you stop praying for your kids? Now they're already in yeshiva, they already have a degree, they already have a job, they already have a wife. Until when? When does a person have to pray for his kids? He goes, what do you mean until when? He was already very old. His son, Rav Chaim, was already one of the gidolim. And he says, to this day, I pray that my son Chaim should become a Talmud Chacham and that he should become an, uh, a, a straight, a beautiful, uh, a respectable Jew. <laughs> He's praying for his son, the Gadol Ador, who already knows the whole Torah backwards, that he should become a Talmud Chacham. There's never a time we stop praying for our kids. But my friends, how do you create and cultivate these feelings in a child? Not just to do the right thing, but to have a feeling, in Arabic we call it, we say, in, at least in slang, stichi. Right? What, what does that mean? Person, they have a level of embarrassment, hesitation when they approach something. You have to, a person's about to do something wrong, some people, they don't even think about it. At least some, some people have, there's a struggle. They feel bad about it. So long as a person feels bad about it, then there's an opportunity to fix it. So long as a person has a little bit of hesitation, then there's what to work with. If the person feels, ah, it's not important at all, that's a very different thing. So he said, to the Rav Galinsky, he said something, and I found this unbelievable. He says, Rashid that I quoted earlier says that Eliphaz comes to Yaakov Avinu. He says, my father said to kill you. What should I do? I got to listen to my father. What does uh, Yaakov Avinu say back? He says to him, you know, take my money. Ani chashu, ani is like a met, right? And then it's like as if you made it, like as if you made me like a met, right? Says, said, uh, he said to Rav Galinsky, he said, Rav Yaakov, Look at how much is hidden here in the Pasuk. 
You know, sometimes we think a person goes to yeshiva, you know, only if he's a rabbi, going to become a rabbi. He has to go to Jewish school, only if, uh, spend the money on yeshiva, send them to an Israel, a year in Israel, let them spend that time, only if he's going to become a rabbi, you know? But we see from here that if he'd not gone to yeshiva, this guy who was a thief would have become a murderer. He says it's worth having your kid have Jewish education even to take him from a murderer to a thief. I found that so powerful. You don't judge success based on the fact that a guy knows, comes back, he knows all the Gemaras. You don't judge success if the guy comes back and he keeps every mitzvah. Even if it was a small improvement. Even if the improvement was only in a mitigation of a negative level. Sometimes a person will come and they'll say, Rabbi, how are things going in the city? You know, uh, I, you know, I'm coming from a place like Lakewood or a place like Brooklyn. We see so much, there's a lot going on, a very religious community. And over here, there's no doubt the community is growing. And they say, look, do you see any advantage? Do you see any, uh, uh, any hakdama? You're like, wait, you, are you seeing progress? And I said, I don't know if you will, but I am. Abutai, I want you to understand what this means. You have a guy, he's not eating kosher. Then he goes and he stops eating meat out. You go to a very religious rabbi, the rabbi might say to him, you know, uh, look, it's, there's so many bugs in the lettuce, it's very bad that you're eating veg, veg, vegetables in non-kosher. And you know what, the rabbi's right. Today, in our world, if you eat in a, non, in a non-kosher dairy restaurant, non-kosher vegetable, vegetarian restaurant, odds are you're eating non-kosher. Those are the odds. The, the complications in the way that they make products today are such that even something which seems innocent, even if it's vegan, can be not kosher. Okay? Odds are that those, those are the odds. But to say that a guy who's now not eating meat out, is not growing, that's ridiculous. Eliphaz went to yeshiva and he moved from being a murderer to being a thief. I don't know. I feel like at that moment, Yaakov should have pulled out some food. They should have made a siyum. They should have made a siudat mitzvah because he would have been a murderer and now he's a thief. That's growth. Can we notice the tiniest steps of growth in our children. Can we appreciate in others? You know what someone says, ah, there's talking in the shul. Yeah, but they used to talk all the time. <laughs> now they're talking half the time. Eventually, they'll talk only between the aliyot. After that, they won't talk at all. I'm hoping. <laughs> right? But if you're not seeing progress, if you don't understand, if you don't see it, what happens? The people also understand. Your children also understand. Look, I worked so hard not to be a murderer. I was a thief. And you know what? My father still wasn't good enough for him. You don't encourage the child to move from a thief to a tax evader. <laughs> to move from a tax evader to a person who's honest. To move from a person who's honest to a person who's giving tzedakah. To move from a person who gives tzedakah to a person who gives 10%. Are you understanding? That's how growth works. Isn't that beautiful? So the reason for a person to be able to study, to be able to grow is also in levels. There's nothing that pains me more 
Then you hear a father say to the son, this is why I sent you to Jewish, uh, gave you a Jewish education for? So you should come like this to Beit HaKneset late? He's come to the Beit HaKneset at all. I'm not saying keep your mouth shut, don't say nothing. But make yourself a positivity sandwich, like, I'm so happy to see you here. It's so nice when I get a chance to see you. Uh, if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping one day we could walk to shul together. You know, at the beginning of Sla, that would be, that would be the most amazing thing for me ever. But you know what? Whenever you're here, I'm happy you're here. Positivity sandwich. There's an amazing story about a, a, a boy in a yeshiva in Eretz Israel. The boy was getting up to all sorts of shenanigans, all sorts of issues. One thing after the next, the guy was doing this wrong, the guy was doing that wrong. Eventually, the yeshiva decided they want to throw him out. They called a meeting in the yeshiva, and the rabbi is there, the principal is there, the, this one is there, everybody's there. And one of the one of the rabbis, whose job was to be the mashgiach, what does that mean? In the yeshiva setting, sometimes they have someone whose job it is to look after the spiritual level of the boys. They make sure they get up on time, make sure they're not having any problems, talks to them if they're down, raises their spirits. That's the job of a mashgiach, to give the musar, to tell people how to become better, how to improve. One of the rabbis, the mashgiach, he speaks up, he says, everyone's a greeting, they want to throw him out. He raises his hand, he says, please, Guys, listen, I disagree. I think if we encourage the guy, I think it will be okay. Let me, you know, let, me do, let me do my thing with him. Let me try. I'll do my best. That way, you know, we tried. All the other rabbis say, listen, we tried already. What do we need to try again for? The only thing that's going to happen is it's going to be a bad influence on the boys. We've got to throw them out. The rabbi starts arguing until eventually they decide what are they going to do. They're going to go to the rabbi. They went to Rav Eliashiv, Alava Shalom. They go into the rabbi's study, each side presents it, they present all their reasons why they have to throw him out. And the rabbi says, okay, and what do you say? And he says, listen, I'm the mashgiach, it's my job to raise the boys, to raise their spirits. I'm taking personal responsibility to give another dedicated try to lift this boy up, to, to teach him, to inspire him. And I feel like, you know what? Okay, you want to throw him out? Fine. But, but now that we're at that stage, Let's decide that we're going to give him one more chance. What do we lose by one more chance? Nothing. I'm going to do my best. Leave it with me. The rabbis agree. Okay. We're going to give him one more chance. Rabbi Yashiv says that's what they should do. They go back to the yeshiva. The mashkir sits the boy down. He says, listen, you know, I just was sitting in a meeting. They're thinking about throwing you out. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. They're giving you one more shot. I fought for you. I fought for you. I told him it's my responsibility. I'm going to do what I can. I'll spend whatever time learning with you. Whatever you need, I'm going to do for you. But dachilat, you have to make, you got to turn the corner. You got to improve. You got to do better. The boy sees that this guy, the rabbi went to bat for him. He sees that he fought with all the other rabbis. They went to the gadol hador to even ask what to do. The boy says, you know, I'm going to try my best. From that day on, he's a different kid. He started to come on time. He started to come to the morning prayers. He started to study Torah. He started to improve his midor. He started to stop going to the bad places that he was going to before. The kid started improving by leaps and bounds. And you know what? Even without much intervention from the mashkiach, it was enough. Why? Because the kid saw that out of someone in the whole school, there was at least one person who went to bat for him, 
who fought for him, who believed in him. Anyway, the kid was on a great trajectory. He had that the Mashkiach says to Rabbi Galinsky, he says, you know what, and I didn't see anything of him. The kid, you know, he took flowered. He left the yeshiva. As far as I know, he did very well. I haven't met, I haven't met him since. He says, okay. So why are you telling me this? He says, I just want you to know. He says, a couple of years ago, my son, my son had a difficult time settling into yeshivot. And you know what? He needed some different style of learning, a different approach, maybe a little bit more relaxed. I don't know, whatever it was. So I, I shopped around trying to find what was the right place, the right school to send my kid to. Anyway, anyway everyone kept, keeps telling me about a certain yeshiva in the north, okay? And, uh, and I looked into it, and it sounded like it was a great place. And the style, uh, the methodology was good. You know, I learned a little bit about the boys that, that were going to that yeshiva. It was a new place. I decided to send my son there. And my son flourished like you can't believe. Unbelievable. After a while, I heard he's doing so well. I want to go see for myself. I want to go check it out. I go down to this yeshiva, okay? I walk in the yeshiva. Uh, I, uh, I, I just wanted to say thank you to the rabbi, the Rosh Yeshiva, for taking such good care of my son. He says, I'm looking, I'm waiting around. After the prayers are over, the Rosh Yeshiva approaches me, a young man with a beard, right? Um, young, I, I could not believe how young he was, but he clearly was doing an amazing job with the boys that maybe weren't succeeding in other places. And, uh, and I went up to him to say thank you. And the man says, thank you? Don't you recognize me? You're thanking me? The Rosh Yeshiva was the boy that I fought for all those years ago in school. And here he is running his own yeshiva for boys that don't understand. And who's the beneficiary of, the, of having a yeshiva like that? Who gained the most out of it? Me for my own son. I found this so beautiful. And he ends by saying, he goes, you know, Rabbi Galinsky says back to him, he says, it reminds me of the parashiot. In the parashah, we start with vayetzeh. You have sometimes a kid who goes out. Maybe he's not doing the right thing, right? He's going out at night. He's doing the wrong things. He's in the wrong places. Vayetzeh. So what happens after that? Vayishlach. The school decides they want to send the kid out, right? They want to get rid of him. They, give, they, they offer the kid a last chance. Vayeshev. The boy comes. He sits down again. He tries his best. After someone fought for him, he sits down. He studies. Miketz, and you know what? In the end, after many years, Miketz Kamashanim Vayechi, the boy comes back to life, and not only that, brings others back to life as well. You know, um, my friends, we should all be zocheh to be able to understand uh, the, the, these lessons. This, the lesson of Yaakov Avinu, that even if I can't do something, it's not my fault, I'm upset about it because it could have been done a little bit better. To recognize the difference. And the little stages between things to understand that sometimes the learning process is not going to take someone from Z to A, but it might take him from Z to X. And if you notice Z to X, then X might go to T, and then T might go to J, and then eventually J might go to A, and eventually you might have someone uh, on your hands uh, that you could be tremendously proud of, having taken him there step by step from the basement to the rooftop. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.